The question is, who do you think you are? Dripping with sarcasm, isn't it? And we're in week four of this series. Good morning, everyone. My name's Todd. I'm really glad that you're here this morning. I'm glad that you've chosen um, to be here on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning when you could be anywhere. You could be at the beach or on the golf course or anywhere you're here. And I'm really glad that you're here. It is so nice out, isn't it, today? It's just beautiful except for the pollen, but we're not going to complain. Uh, today we're in our last in this series that we've been in where we've been focusing on identity in Christ and we've been focusing on what God's Word, kind of some pillar things, some foundational things that God's Word says uh, that we are who we are in Christ as, as people. And we began uh, a few weeks ago talking about the fact that throughout all of the New Testament, the Bible speaks of us being in Christ. And when we accept Him as our Savior, we, we take up a new position. We're not on our own anymore. We are in Christ. And in, men, in ways, He is in us and we are in Him, both and. And so we've been talking about what that means, and even though this series, one week, is not really kind of reliant on the next or the previous, uh, I do want to take just a moment just to kind of give you a little bit of, of, of a review to see where we've come from and see where we're going, and, and particularly because I've added this message today, just felt like we needed to talk a little bit about this whole uh, idea of, of the inheritance, as we just sang about being sons and daughters of God. We have a great inheritance that awaits us for those of us who are Christ followers. And so we began uh, with, with this idea in mind and kind of with a statement uh, with this whole series that um, what we have been given from Christ determines who we are in Christ and who we are in Christ then should determine how we live for Christ. And, and I, I think that like in our culture, in our age, we're so defined by what we have like our possessions, and it makes cognitive sense, and the Bible speaks so much about us not being defined by our earthly possessions, but the Bible does make a big deal about the fact that we are defined by the spiritual possessions, by the things that we receive from Christ once we make that decision to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so what we have been given from Christ determines who we are in Christ, and who we are in Christ determines how we live for him. And so my prayer for this series is not that we would just take all this information up here and kind of store it away in our brains and just let it sit there, but my prayer would be that for some of you, this would be kind of an ignition, as I talked about a few weeks ago, it would be the start of something new spiritually in your life. And so for some of you, the, what we've been talking about, the, the things that we've been talking about are, are maybe things that you've never been told before. You, you were a Christian, you became a Christian years ago or, or months or you know, weeks or decades ago, but no one ever told you about these kind of foundational things of who you are in Christ and then that really determines you know, how you live your life. Um, for some of you, you may have known this and for whatever reason just kind of strayed from it. Um, and for some of you, maybe you're here today and you got dragged here or promised a meal after church and you're like, hey, I'm here and I don't really believe any of this, but I'm here, all right? So my prayer for you would be that it would ignite something new in your heart and that you would trust Christ as your Savior. And so just as a way of review, in week one, we talked about family and we made this statement, I have been given a family and because I've been given a family, I'm a child of God and because of that, I can live with confidence knowing that I've been adopted into the family of God. I love that. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept about who we are. In Christ. In week two, Todd Cooper led us uh, to understand that I have, a, I have been given a home, 
and that because I've been given a home, I am secure for eternity. And because I'm secure for eternity, now I can live with freedom. Not freedom to do what I want to do and freedom to have this license to go out and sin, but a freedom to do what's best for Him and His glory. And so I have a home, and because I have a home, I have freedom. And last week, um, we talked about purpose, and, and we, we made this statement, I have been given a purpose, and because I've been given a purpose, I'm a unique contributor for God, and because I'm a unique contributor for God, I live working for His purpose. And, and I hit a bit of a nerve last week. I've gotten a lot of response from you, and uh, a lot of po- good positive, like back and forth feedback, which is good, um, that that really is something that you want to know more about, and, and so... If you are wanting to know a little bit more about your purpose and how you find your purpose and how to determine it, we're going to be continuing the the discussion that we started last Wednesday night right here at 7 o'clock for Roots. So if you want to find out a little bit more about how to discern and know God's purpose for your life, we're walking through that on Wednesday night. We meet over here in the cafe. Hey, everybody in the cafe drinking your coffee. Awesome. I love you guys. You're awesome. You can drink coffee anywhere, but they're the cafe folks. Hey, I like it. I would be there with you if I weren't up here. Anyway, and so uh, that's where we meet in the cafe. Wow, rabbit trail. Anyway, that's where we meet for uh, Wednesday night. I'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, as we talk about purpose. And uh, I love this story that kind of relates to purpose and it dovetails into this last week that we're on today. Uh, it's a story about golf coming to America. And uh, golf came to, to, the, to the United States of America during the period of time where Ulysses S. Grant was the president. And a, and a big, burly Scotsman came over with his, you know, with his clubs and, and a ball. And he wanted to show President Ulysses S. Grant this brand new game of golf that the world had discovered. He wanted to bring it to America. So he reached down and he put the ball on the tee. And um, this big Scotsman took a swing at, at, the, at the ball and he completely missed. And he, he grabbed a piece of the ground and it flew up in the air. And then he did it again, and he did it again, and he did it again, and President Grant is standing there with dirt in his beard because there's so much dirt coming from the ground, and he makes a statement. He says, I can see that this new sport has great exercise, but I fail to see the purpose of the ball. And I love that analogy. I love that statement. I love it. And one of the things that I want you to understand is that some of you will get that after lunch. One of the things I want you to understand is that As Christ followers, if we truly understand who we are in Christ, then our purpose comes easy. Then our purpose comes easy. And so what we're going to be talking about today is the idea that, yes, I have a purpose. Yes, I have a home. Yes, I have a family. And all of these are kind of tied to the idea that I have been given an inheritance. Oh, man, that sounds good, doesn't it? I have been given an inheritance. I am an heir of God, and I live then doing good works for him. I'm an heir of God's fortune. And so today we're going to be talking about this in kind of two parts. We're going to be talking about the inheritance that we have as adopted sons and daughters, as we just sang about, sons and daughters of God. And we touched on it a little bit in week one, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper today on the inheritance part of that. We talked about the family part of that, but I want to talk about the inheritance. So we're going to be talking about inheritance, but much of what I'm going to be talking about today is how we can take what we've already been given as an inheritance and, and do more for God then because of that and, and add to that inheritance treasures which we will build up in heaven. 
And so we, we begin with, with a, a passage that Paul was writing that we have today in this letter that we call Colossians. And in Colossians, this letter that he wrote to the church uh, that was there in uh, Colossae, and he, he wrote them a message encouraging them in some, some ways here. And he writes these words in Colossians 3, chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Check this out. He writes this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive, what's that next word? The inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, the idea of being adopted as sons and daughters, as I mentioned earlier, is all throughout the New Testament. And the reason that I chose this particular verse is, is I love how Paul frames this. Because the way that he frames this drives at both the fact that we have rights as sons and daughters of God, but we also have responsibility as sons and daughters of God. And I think understanding the truth of this verse helps us to understand the truth of the idea of why in the world do good works even exist in the first place. I'll get to that in a moment. But I want you to notice that in this passage, what he says here is essentially what he says is he begins, he kind of frames it, and he begins, kind of bookends it with the idea that um, whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. And he's talking about works. And that's one bookend. And the other bookend is at the end when he says you're serving the Lord. So both of them have to do with our responsibility as Christ followers. Work heartily as for the Lord. We're working for Christ. And then tucked in the middle is the right. So responsibilities on both sides and the right as, as, as adopted children of God, as sons and daughters of God right there in the middle. And I think it's important for us to understand that with being children of God absolutely does come a right. But with being children of God also comes a responsibility to work for him. That's part of who we are in Christ. We have the right. We have the right to be heirs of God's fortune. But we also, we also have the responsibility to live our lives and, and to work throughout our lives as, as people who are heirs to the throne. And so when you hear the word adopted, I want you to kind of get familiar with hearing the, the idea or kind of sensing the idea that, that we are heirs. We are heirs of that fortune, and we, we, we uh, like receive that, that fortune, and, and we receive that inheritance. And I, I was reading uh, uh, one particular commentary that talked about that the sum total of what we receive as an inheritance from, from God could be summed up in the word heaven. It can be summed up in the word heaven. That's what we receive from Christ because of the work that he did, not because of anything that we do. That, that's the fortune. That's the inheritance that we receive is the gift of heaven. And I think that the problem with like our modern version of Christianity, and I buy into this all the time myself, is, is that we kind of buy into this idea that we want perfection now, Right? We want this life to be without pain. And we want this life to be without suffering. I've probably said this like at least once a month um, since I've been a pastor here is that I, I really struggle with pastors and evangelists that say, hey, come to Christ, become a Christian, put your faith in Jesus, and everything in your life will be fine from that point forward. That, is that true? No. 
It's not. You know why? Because this is not heaven. Heaven is the inheritance that awaits us. And part of the impact of that inheritance now is that knowing that it awaits us helps us to be able to, to, to get through those times when, when we have sorrow. Um, for instance, uh, the Bible's clear on, on this, this uh, principle that we can experience joy in the midst of sorrow. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And Paul is basically saying there that you can have joy in the midst of your trouble. Very similarly, um, we can have, we can know because of our inheritance that we have a future where, where no more suffering is going to exist. Revelation 21 uh, verse 4 um, says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And we go through trouble in this life. I, I don't have to tell you that, you know. And, you know, if you're young, it, it's coming, all right? If it hasn't already come, I'm sorry to say. Man, aren't you encouraged this morning? Like, man, trouble's coming. That's, that's a great message for Sunday morning. But I think it's important for us to understand that because who we are in Christ then helps us to be able to endure the suffering and helps us to be able to get through the suffering and the trials of life. I've been a pastor for, for 10 years, and it was, I was about 22 years old before I went to my first funeral. For some reason, I just never, we just didn't have that. Um, and in my being a pastor for the last 10 years at this church and then um, years before that, in, in my time as a pastor, I, up until just recently, I probably had like officiated maybe 10 funerals or memorial services or celebration services, um, I just hadn't been around it much. And in the last two months uh, of, of our lives, my, my, uh, my life and my wife's life and our family um, and our church family, we've experienced a lot of death. There have been a few of you who have lost you know, parents over these past few months. A few months ago, back in January, we lost one of our um, one of a great, great servant leaders here um, and uh, we lost uh, Frank Jacobson and just suddenly, and we lost Sean Tracy last week, and um, we lost my father-in-law uh, just two weeks ago. Sandra, my mother-in-law, is here today, and um, I, Sandra, I know that this church has been praying for you and prayed for Phil, and Cynthia's right there um, with her, and so um, I'm so glad that you're here this morning, Mom, and uh, so anyway, I have to call her Mom. She's like my mom. I've been in the family for a long time, and so we've had, it seems like death has just surrounded me recently. Again, more encouragement for Sunday morning. But I, I got to tell you that it's not because of who I am. Listen, I want you to hear this because I think this applies to so many of us. It's not because of me or my personality or my attitude of pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'm really not that good at any of that. Like I'm kind of I'm a glass half empty kind of guy sometimes. I really am. You can ask my wife. I'm a little critical sometimes, grouchy a lot of times. Like I, I, like, I can't get through those times of trial or suffering by myself. But it's because of the future inheritance that we have that we can have hope and, and be able to, to survive and to, to, to get through some of these things that we're facing. And, man, I'm still growing at 44 years old. I'm still growing in my being able to trust God through some of those trials. We've gotten to the point where we just want to skip March altogether. 
because it was two years ago Friday that I lost my mom. I mean, I just want to go, hey, God, can we just skip March next year? It'd be great. And, um, but it's the future inheritance that gives us confidence and it gives us hope to navigate the most difficult things in life. And then lastly, we add to our inheritance through good works. Now, I realize that that's what our inheritance is. And I realize that like when I say those two words together, good works, some of you in here cringe. And maybe you just broke out in a cold sweat when I said good works because perhaps you came from a religious background or a faith background or system or family where, where it was taught incorrectly, unbiblically, that your good works are linked to your being able to go to heaven. And I want to clear that up right here and right now. If you're here today and that's what you've experienced in your past, and even me saying the, the phrase good works kind of makes you cringe because salvation is based on what you do, it is not. That is an unbiblical principle. You see, our salvation is based solely on what God did by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross and three days later defeat death and rise again. That's the true gospel story. And so good works then, it has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever. It has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever, but Jesus clearly communicates that what we do in this life does have something to do with the life eternal. In Matthew 6, he's talking about kingdom work and he's, he's talking about us having kind of a, an eternal perspective of this life rather than just a temporal perspective of this life. And he says in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. <laughs> he must have lived near the ocean. He did. <laughs> All right, he gets that. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And what Jesus is doing is he's trying to have us have a, a, an eternal view of life even in the here and now on this side of heaven in our life right now. And I think one of the traps that we have in, in our Protestant, in this version of Christianity, in, in kind of what we talk about, because we, we understand that our, our salvation is guaranteed by faith in Jesus Christ, not because of anything that we did in our lives. I think that part of what we do is we buy into this trap that then nothing really matters. I, I don't have to do anything for eternity. And Jesus says that couldn't be further from the truth. And he instructs us to lay up treasures, not here on earth, but in heaven. And see, part of the problem, some of you have probably seen this illustration before, part of the problem is, is that if this rope kind of represents eternity from here on forever, and obviously this rope ends, I didn't get a forever rope, but it does end at some point in time down the line. But assume for a moment that the whole rope is eternity. Our time here on earth is so small. It's represented by this gray, dark part right here. And so when we 
live our lives, when our lives begin at the beginning of our physical life here, the world tells us and culture tells us and maybe your, your, your boss or, or your school or your friends or whatever, they tell you to invest in your life for the here and now. And so all you're doing is investing in this part of your life for this part of your life. Because one of the things that Jesus indicates here is that when we come to the end of our physical life here on earth, everything that we've done to accumulate whatever it is, education, wealth, relationships, whatever it is, comes to an end. It stops And the problem is is that we don't think about the fact that what Jesus teaches us is that because we have an inheritance and because we are sons and daughters of God, part of our responsibility, yes, we have this right of having heaven as a free gift, but part of our job as Christ followers is to invest now in things that matter for eternity, forever. You see, here's, here's a principle that I want you to get is what you and I do now matters for eternity. What you and I do matters for eternity, and that's where good works comes in. That's where serving Jesus comes in. That's where feeding the poor and clothing those that don't have any clothes and and helping invest in your community and in your family and your church come in. It's for eternity that you do those things, not for salvation. You see, good works is... Really, truly a response to salvation, not a requirement for it. But it still matters, doesn't it? What we do in this life truly matters. And Jesus says that we can lay up treasures in heaven. Uh, he talks about being rewarded for faithfulness in Matthew 10, 41. He says, the one who receives a prophet, I'm not going to go into the details of this, but because he's a prophet, will receive the prophet's reward. He talks about that. We will be rewarded for our service for God in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Check this out. Check this out in 2 Corinthians 5.10. We will be rewarded for our service to God. He says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us receives what is due for what we've done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, here's what a lot of people will say to that. They'll tie this to salvation. That's not true. What Paul is explaining here is, is that if we're Christians, if we put our faith in Jesus, if we're Christ followers, if we put our faith in Jesus, we are going to heaven. And when we get there, when we stand before God, he, he's going to give us rewards for the good things that we do. And if we don't do anything good for him, we're not going to get too many rewards. And then we're like someone who is handed an inheritance and walks away. I heard a pastor say recently that an inheritance is an inheritance only when it's received. It's not an inheritance yet when it's just given, but when it's received. And so I believe what Paul is trying to tell us and what Jesus is trying to tell us is that what we do in this life matters. We're not going to be judged for our salvation by good works but we are going to be handed rewards. And I don't know about you, but I sure would like some heavenly rewards when I get to heaven. That'd be awesome. And then lastly, I want you to hear this. We will not be rewarded when working for public glory or selfish motives. 
I think that sometimes like in the in the culture of church and even in culture in general, we have this idea that like, you know, we, we want to do things for show. We want to do things that people are attracted to us and that sort of thing. And, and the Bible tells us that's further from the truth, couldn't be further from the truth. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, um, Jesus, anytime, by the way, anytime you see Jesus standing up, um, that's him judging someone else. And in every case, he's not judging sinners, he's judging religious people. Oh, man. He's judging religious people. And here, here's an example of him talking about this. He says, be aware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. I love that. Like, hey, don't make a big deal. Don't, don't like, you know, have this big, like, you know, moment because you've done something great for your world. That's your reward, he says as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But he says this in verse 3 and 4, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees, say it with me, in what? In secret will reward you. See, sometimes we, we have this idea that laying up treasures in heaven is all about what we do where we receive glory here on earth. If you're receiving glory here on earth for what you do for God, that's it. You've received your reward. It's what's done in secret. It's what's done in the small place. It's how you treat other people in the quiet moments. It's how you live your life in the quiet moments, what you do for others when no one else sees that you're going to receive the greatest reward. A few years ago... Um, actually, it was the year before my mom passed away. Um, I did a series on, on heaven, and uh, she was so interested in that because my grandfather had passed away, and she was so interested in that. And we had, we had some great conversations about that, and uh, we talked about the fact that the Bible speaks of these different crowns that we receive when we get to heaven. And, and recently, we were with my father-in-law, Phil, and he... Um, he was really sick there towards the end of his life, and um, we went over up to Atlanta. Cynthia went a few times, and, and we went as a family um, the week that he passed away. And um, Phil was able to kind of communicate with us in those last few days. I told my brother-in-laws that at one moment when everybody left that he actually, like, looked at me, and, and he said, you're the first son-in-law, and you're my favorite. <laughs> but nobody believed me, and that is very apparent in how loud my wife just laughed. Anyway, okay. So anyway, <laughs> um, but he didn't really do that, but he, I was his favorite, no doubt about it. Anyway, uh, and Phil was, was, a, was a godly man, and, and his passion, Sandra and Cynthia, and, and Sydney and Sean, was evangelism. When he became a Christ follower, he began to tell everybody he knew about Jesus so much so that we would go out to eat and he would tell the server about Jesus and he would ask them if they, if they wanted to pray a prayer right there at the table. We're all sitting around going, could we just eat and go home? And he is there thinking about eternity. And uh, Phil, Sandra told the story that uh, before it got real bad there towards the end, he was concerned about how many treasures he would have in heaven. You know what occurred to me is, is the people that are concerned about how many treasures they have in heaven are the ones that have a lot of them. They're the ones that have a lot of them. 
they're the ones that are going to receive the reward because they understood that this life is connected to the next life. Paul instructs us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 to do all for God's glory, whether you eat or drink or whether you do, do it all for the glory of God. The treasure is not what we should seek, but it is the byproduct of it, and it's a great one. Who do you think you are? Just sum it up, the whole series. It's this. You're a child of God. You're secure for eternity. You're unique in purpose, and you're heir to a future inheritance. Oh, church, if we could grasp that and get our arms and minds and heart around that, can you imagine what we could do for the kingdom of God if we really understood that concept of who we are in Christ? It's everything. It's everything. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you so much for people like Phil who were a great example of... um, a life that was lived telling others about you. He's going to have a bunch of crowns and a bunch of rewards in addition to heaven when he gets there um, because of what he did in sharing his faith. And God, whether it's sharing our faith or uh, helping those who are in need or uh, leading a, a, a Bible study or a group and helping people learn more about your word, or whether it's standing up here singing and working behind the scenes to create an environment for people to come into your house, or whether it's taking trash out, um, God, at the end of the day, or um, whether it's giving money to your church and to your people. Um, God, I pray that you would help us to understand who we are in Christ. And the fact is, is that not only do we have a family, Not only are we your children, not only um, do we have a secure home in heaven, not only do we have a purpose from you, given by you, but we have an inheritance that awaits us in heaven. Help us, Father God, to be people who don't squander the inheritance by ignoring the good works. Help us to be people who understand that it's not anything that we do that gets us into heaven, but what we do is an expression of gratitude for what you did on the cross. Help us to walk in that because we are secure or we know we're forgiven. We're people who understand who we are in you. God, help us as a church to grasp that. And God, help us to do those things for you that you're calling us to do and that you want us to do and that you clearly communicate that we're supposed to do in your word and through your Holy Spirit. May you guide us and direct us in that. God, I just want to pray for a moment for those who walked in here today and um, maybe, maybe they're seeking something, um, they're searching, maybe they're skeptical and something that was said or sung or some conversation they had or something that they saw, just it clicked today. If it clicked today for you and today you're like, you know, I, I understand this a little bit better today, but I need to make a decision for Jesus. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in him, in the past, maybe you've thought about it, but you never have decided. I, I want to encourage you to receive your future inheritance today, to nail that down, to get that settled by asking Jesus to be your Savior. It is the, the single most important thing that you can do in your life because it lasts for eternity. If you're here today and you
you want to put your faith in Jesus, um, I want to give you that opportunity right now. And I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And just in the quietness of this room, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer to God. He doesn't make it complicated. There's nothing that's required from you other than trusting in Him as your Savior. If you want to do that right now, you can just pray this prayer quietly to God, just you and Him talking. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. And right now, I accept you, Jesus, as my personal Savior. Help me now to live for you. If you prayed that prayer along with me, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, please, so I can pray for you. I won't embarrass you, I promise. just thank you for what you're doing in the life of your people, in the life of your church. God, I thank you for anyone who's in here right now who just prayed that prayer. I thank you for um, the the few that prayed it in the first service, God. God, help us um, help us as your people now to live for you, to walk in that abundance and to walk in that, um, that vibrant life that you have set for us. And God, may we truly as a result of understanding who we are in you, God, may we live our lives in a way that's reflecting that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.